When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash Eagles, bookmark that. And you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're discussing the awful, awful, awful 37-19 Eagles loss to the Rams. We're going to break down what's wrong with Carson Wentz and what happened to the defense. Chris, are you still with me? Are you okay? What's going on? You know how last week I said the loss was perplexing? I think the the uh, adjective I'm going to use this time is agonizing. That was a... Uh, that was a bad effort on both the by both the offense and the defense, and uh, they find themselves in a in a pretty big hole now. It's not the way you want to see a season start out. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I think this this the record sunk. Um, look, they're in shambles, and I think from my perspective, things don't look like they're getting better. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't. I, where do you go from here? I, I like. I know they play the Bengals next week, and that should be a layup on paper. But after the last two weeks, I don't really know what to really say. Am I picking the Bengals next week? Or are you picking the Bengals <laughs> next week, Chris? I, I'm I'm not touching that because the Bengals wide receiver core uh, scares me a little bit. And the last thing you and Burrow looked okay on Thursday night, so it I, I'm not touching. There's no gimmies now with the schedule on the Eagles, so it, it this can go anywhere. I'm I'm not touching that game with a ten foot pole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they they've lost their wonderkin, you know, cool demeanor. I mean, like they're not. Look, this Eagles team had a swag about it in 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 the summer, and they just have not really lived up to the hype. At all, I think we both thought that they had a shot at winning the division or at least making the playoffs. Right now, uh, like, I mean, I don't know how we're talking. We're, we can even talk about playoffs because this team, if they're not finding urgency soon, they're going to end up having a better shot at the seventh overall pick in the draft than they are the seventh seed in the playoffs, even with that expanded playoff outlook. So, Look, let's just get into this, Chris, because I could ramble on for hours about this game. This game 
was pathetic. Um, you know, the Eagles never had the lead. They even when they seemed like they were going to come back, the Rams had an immediate answer. Uh, the Rams offense absolutely outplayed uh, the the Eagles defense. Sean McVay outcoached Jim Schwartz. The offense picked up 449 total yards and scored on six series. What went wrong, Chris? The main thing when you have to go against the Rams, the main thing you have to do is you have to stop the run to stop everything else that that offense is capable of doing. And they didn't do that at all. You let a team run the ball 39 times and average 4.9 yards a carry. And the thing that you were worried about this Rams team doing, they they pretty much did. They ran off tackle. They ran right up the gut. And the thing that you were really worried about was if they established that run, you start using the, the Sean McVay specials of running those in the rounds and the counter screen. It sets so much up in the play action pass, and it all came to fruition. And you saw so many missed tackles as the game went along. The Rams went ahead and they utilized – that the quick snaps, they used a quick count, they ran ahead and they ran a bunch of plays. And you saw so many times the Eagles player, you see too many guys, so many guys shuffling in and out, don't know whether if it was based on formation or they were just tired, but it was so, it, it, it was so, how do I say, it was, I, they looked frustrated at the time. I, I think I saw Malik Jackson at one point throw his helmet down on the ground because of frustration being taken out at one point. It, it just looked overall that, this defense that looked pretty good against Washington could all of a sudden look like they had no answer whatsoever. And you mentioned it earlier, Jim Schwartz blatantly, uh, fully got out coached in this game. And it, you, if McVay is supposed to be one of the bright stars of, of this league when it comes to coaching and you, okay, you can see it once in a while, but to put, have 37 points put up on you, it is it, just unacceptable within the amount of talent that they have on that defense. I think there's something like 45 million of which is invested in that defensive line. And the fact you only gotten two and a half sacks through two games out of that defensive line it is, it, 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 it begs the question what's going on up there. It really does. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to cut you off, but like the defensive tackle group alone is worth a mint and none of them have, been able to get to the quarterback it's just it's not it's not happening they're also not stopping the run you know I think what's frustrating if you're Jim Schwartz is how this was all done so not only did they beat you on the ground for 191 rushing yards and two touchdowns you've now given up 227 rushing yards and four touchdowns in just two games this was a strength of the Eagles defense throughout the first four years of the Doug Peterson Jim Schwartz era they stopped the run. They forced you to pass. And even though their guys couldn't really get to the passer, you were able to do some stuff creatively where you made a team one when you made a team one dimensional. Then they made Jared Goff look like Joe Montana out there. He started off, I believe it was like 12 of 12 for um, 146 yards Finished the game 20 of 27 for 267 yards and three touchdowns. All three touchdowns went to tight end Tyler Higby, who made Nathan Gary look like a JV uh, replacement player, uh, frankly. Um, this linebacker, we talked about the linebacker group for the Rams being the weakness for, for Los Angeles's defense. Well, guess what? The Eagles defense is weakness is very similar and, 
Sean McVay found a way to take advantage of it. I mean, uh, this is one of those ones where people say burn the tape, but I think fire would be afraid of this tape. That's how bad it is. (laughs) I, I mean, this was, this was pathetic. And, you know, I'm typically a pretty big Jim Schwartz advocate. I think he's completely underrated as a play caller. I think he's completely underrated as a play schemer and in-game adjuster. And they just wreck this dude uh, So and his, and his group. So um, do you have any other thoughts on the defense? Well, I think it goes back that linebacker core. There's undersized to begin with. So when you don't have that defensive line doing the job they're supposed to be doing and sh- taking on those blocks to let the linebackers flow to play and shuffle and scrape to see those gaps, you're going to get results like this. And you have these teams like you'll have San Granite San Fran has a couple of injuries and we're going to see what they have to do. You have Mark Ingram in the Ravens. You have Ezekiel Elliott coming down to if they don't fix this quick, it, it might be a long those linebackers at defense might be tired because we'll be on the field so long. Yeah, I mean, look, I, this doesn't get any easier. We've tried to stress this. I stressed it in week one. It's not going to get easier. You know, Washington was dominated by Arizona all this afternoon, and Washington was the team that came back and beat the Eagles in week one. There are no gimmies, as you said earlier, and I, I think it all kind of – look, the defense was terrible today, but this game was winnable in, in, in a lot of moments, and quarterback Carson Wentz did not look good today. He's been, he's been frankly, inadequate and immobile. And, you know, as our, you know, esteemed uh, boss man brought up to us via email, Kevin Whitmer, look, Carson looks like a shell of himself, at least as an athlete, since he tore his ACL, MCL, I think it was the LCL, uh, against the Rams in 2017. He's just not as mobile. He's not as quick to be dynamic. And, you know, today they rolled him out of the pocket pretty well, um, you know, design wise but he still looked pretty immobile in the pocket i wasn't really impressed by him i think you had maybe a a semi more optimistic look at him in the pocket but just overall he just seems skittish out there he seems indecisive inaccurate and mistake prone and for the first time in his career he's thrown two interceptions in back-to-back games also by the way coming into this game he had the league longest streak of throwing a touchdown pass that was broken today i think he went 20 straight games with the touchdown pass now he's you know back in the back of the line his passer rating is only 64.4 he's only completed 58.8 percent of his passes like we talk about like him wanting to be elite he doesn't even look like a franchise quarterback right now what where where are you coming from with this whole whole breakdown situation well i think the main thing you're we talked about the mobility and it's not the only year that he really didn't wasn't really that mobile ran was 2018 when he was coming back from that ACL thing, the ACL injury. And he ran the weird thing was in 2019, he ran the same the ball the same amount of times as he did in the Super Bowl year in 2017. And he was able to and he's actually broke more tackles last year, which is weird. I don't know what's going on with him. You don't see the the read option. You don't see that used anymore. I know they're probably using it to Save save him so he won't get hurt. But that used to be a staple of this offense, and they don't even use, utilize it. He, he's I don't know if it's something with his throw. It seems like we're talking about this every year, but when it comes to his throwing mechanics, he's overthrowing these guys. He even get and I don't know if he's not following through, getting on top of the ball to make sure it gets down. But that ball is sailing across the middle. He almost got Dallas Goddard. He almost bruised or injured his ribs at one point when they were going down in the red zone early in the first quarter. 
threw, I like to call them medicine balls. He threw a ball so high that all of a sudden he exposed Goddard's ribs and the Rams like basically almost got two piece by two Rams at back there. He can't keep putting in this this team in bad positions with the turnovers via interceptions, via fumbles. I don't I I really don't know what's going on with him. It, you look at the tape from 2017. Last night before this game, the 2017 Eagles Rams game was on. And you saw this guy who was confident. You saw this guy who knew what was going, getting the ball out quickly. It was short, tire routes. He knew where he was going decisive. Now he's surveying the field so much. You know what is scary? He's starting to remind me of, and I don't know if he's trying to prove something to everybody else. I don't know what he is. He's starting to look like McNabb after the 04 season. He's staying in yeah, the pocket sure. a little bit more. He's not rolling out. I don't know what's going on with him. You know, and and here's the thing, too, and you and I talked about this as well, uh, kind of after the game, just musing back and forth, but he didn't target anybody downfield. This was an offense that was supposed to be much more dynamic, much more, have much more speed. And, you know, as an objective observer, it's like weird to be sold all of this speed, 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 game-breaking speed, all this creative things you can do with Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager. Well, guess what? Uh, the 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 deep the longest pass of this game went for 25 yards to Deshaun Jackson and he was just wide open in the corner um didn't really do much I mean Wentz isn't looking down the field I mean look he missed Dallas Goddard on probably a touchdown um that ended up turning into a field goal he missed uh Deshaun Jackson at least twice down the field he was wide open um I like the way they use Jalen Rager with some pre-snap motion getting him away from Jalen Ramsey um but like you look at this, like Greg Ward had one catch for five yards. That's your slot receiver. Um, it, you know, both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard averaged under 8.5 yards per catch. And they caught nine, nine combined passes. Um, I thought the running backs were utilized pretty well in the, in the passing game. Um, but then you talk about JJ or single white side. And so that brings us to Carson Wentz's like awful interception. So he targeted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside on what looked like a post route. Um, he got a step on the corner, but then there was a free safety right near him, and then the corner just jumped his route for the interception. The ball just shouldn't have been thrown there. Carson even admitted after the game. Um, as you said, he was inaccurate. He was throwing high. He was throwing off. He was throwing behind. Um, listen, Jalen Hurts was active today, and they used him in two plays that I thought were really, really interesting. I'm not saying replace Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts, but that obviously doesn't limit the pressure behind Carson Wentz when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts active. What if Carson Wentz bombs in a first half down in, in a couple of games and they're 0-4 or they're 1-3? Um, like that, that could be an issue, um, and I think fans would call for it. I think he would have been booed out of the building today if there were fans at the link. Um, you know, it's just like... He doesn't see like I, I think the biggest thing with quarterbacks and and you know this from playing when you're not part of the solution you're definitely part of the problem and that seems to be what Carson Wentz is right now. Do you agree? I think he is. Like I, I'll put this, I'll give the Rams credit. I won't. I'll give the Rams credit on this part. They went a lot of cover three. They made sure that a lot of cover three and deep cover two as well too to make sure that Jackson Rager didn't beat them down the field. And early on. It was okay with with him checking down to Sanders and Scott and finding those little like and, and even Ertz and Goddard at times, finding those little five to ten yard routes, hitches, outs, what have you, and just give taking what the Rams defense was giving you, it was okay. But 
he played right into what they were doing. He went on and go, tried to force that ball into Whiteside, or say a Whiteside. He should have just thrown that ball out the back of the end zone. That should have just been happened. The thing is, when you go, when you start to feel that all that pressure was going on, you you've had a bad game that week one. You start that you're you're not having the most optimal start going right into. You find yourself down, down down that one too. You start trying to force things. You're just not becoming the quarterback that you believe. He's not a game manager. He's more than a game manager. But there's times when you have when you're a starting quarterback, you just gotta become that guy, and then once in a while with his legs, try to go ahead and become more than that. I don't know what's I don't know what's in his head right now. I think he has to go ahead. He they have to almost kiss it, keep it simple, stupid with him. I, I think right now, just in order to get the offense back and just keep trying to go ahead and get it a better flow of things, I think they did a way better job establishing a run. I think once they do that, like the Rams did, you can start running those guys down deep downfield because more teams are going to have to respect the run and, and cheat the safety up or start even selling out to selling out on the blitz to go ahead and try to go deep and try to go ahead and stop the run. So it's a combination of not just wins. I won't put this loss solely on him. He's got 70, 80% of this loss, but this off it has to, it's a culmination of this offense going, going together. It's just so many issues right now that has to be fixed. They have yet to play a complete game. It has to be done. It has to be, they have to find some way to fix this. I think what's more frustrating again, as an objective outside observer is that you can't pin this on the offensive line. They played very, very well. Aaron Donald was held without a sack for the fourth straight time against the Eagles. He's never had a sack against this franchise. And that was against like Nate Herbig and Isaac Samalu and, and Matt Pryor, who replaced Samalu. Um, I thought the running game was pretty strong. Miles Sanders fumbled in the third play of the game, but Doug didn't move away from the run. And, you know, we killed him last week for kind of forcing the pass, but he really ran the ball. They ran the ball 26 times. Um, two of those were Carson Wentz keepers. One went for a touch, but they scored twice on the ground. Uh, Miles Sanders, after that early hiccup, had 95 yards on 20 carries for uh, and a touchdown, a 4.8 yard uh, average, which is pretty strong. Same with Boston Scott; he had four carries for 19 yards. We saw Corey Clement in there in in limited snaps. Jason Huntley was inactive. Um. I brought up Jalen Hurts earlier. There was a cool look that they did where um, Miles Sanders and uh, Jalen uh, Hurts, excuse me, were in the backfield. Hurts lined up to the right. Um, Sanders lined up to the left. Carson Wentz dropped back, faked a pass to a screen pass to um, Sanders, and then faked a screen pass to Hurts, and then hit Dallas Goddard wide open over the middle. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be one of those guys where teams are going to have to study him. Teams are going to have to anticipate him. I mean, look, they haven't even revealed what he can really do here. They just put him out there. And he clearly grabbed the defense's attention, at least on that first play. Uh, Later on, they had him out wide left uh, at the three-yard line and ended up just being a design run for Sanders. But uh, I think he brings another element to this offense, especially an offense that's looking for answers. Uh, what says you? I think that hurts that that package that they have for him. There's a lot you can do with him. It it, it makes it pretty exciting of of all of all the different combinations. I could just imagine right now, Marty Morningwick, Rich Skangrenell, and Peterson, Press Taylor, all those guys just messing around on whiteboard, seeing what you can do with them. I think the key that the, a lot of the players did on those package plays, they sold the figs very well. A lot yes, of times you see when it comes so. to those little like uh 
those wildcat plays, you just know, okay, well, let me just stand out here and, oh, I'm not getting the ball. That would too. They sold the ball. They sold the fakes really well. So I think that's that, that, that brings a little bit of, it's a little bit of a bright spot in a, in a pretty uh, dismal game itself. But when it comes to what this offense can do with Hurts, when it comes to those red, red zone package, there's so many things. You, it's, it, it's the, the sky's the limit. I mean, we haven't even seen him line up to run a read option. We you can go ahead and run the ball with him this out. Just imagine a double pass. You know there there's so many things that you see. It. I'm actually glad they got it on tape now. So now you know Cincinnati's going to look at it. You yeah, know San exactly. Fran's going to look at it, and it's going to take time away from the uh, from their regular game planning that it to devote to this. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is there's like this hint of mystery about him, right? Because you didn't get to see him catch the ball. You didn't get to see him run the ball. You don't really know what he looks like as an NFL player. He just stood out there. Um, and so I think you just have to be prepared. You have to be wise to it. And they used him not only just at, in like within the five-yard line, which is what we kind of expected his role to be, but they, they were out like right at the tip of the red zone. And I, I think that that's kind of um, where they should utilize him. I mean, in between – the 20s isn't necessarily probably where you want him to be if you really trust your quarterback. But, like, I just, you know, they need to do something. Uh, I like what I saw from the running game. I think that that's a good building block moving forward, I guess, if you had to take one positive away from this whole situation. But, um, you know, I want to say this outright. There's absolutely no reason why Nate Sudfeld should be active over Jalen Hurts moving forward. Like, that just to me just seems like a waste. Uh, Nate Sudfeld's thrown 25 career passes and affected regular games that matter significantly less than Jalen Hurts, in my opinion. So um, that's where I stand. Where are you at with that? I think I think from time to time, I think you will have to activate him just because he gives you that. He's a vet. Oh, he's I'm a not saying don't activate him. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying don't Ooh. activate him. I'm saying there's no <laughs> I'm saying there's no reason to have him activated over Hertz. If you're gonna keep both active, cool. Okay. But like to me, I think Jalen Hurts gives you something in the offense or at least a present. Like that's the thing. His presence alone is intriguing. It's captivating because he is such a great athlete. He can run, he can catch, he can pass. Um he does he's like he's like the uh that like Remember that French fry machine in the eighties? It cuts, it chops, it dices, it does everything in one easy. Like that's what Jalen, right? That that's that's what Jalen Hurts can be for this. I mean, look, he's he's only going to get a yeah, he's slash, right? Exactly. You you get a limited amount of of touches with him. Like, let's say he's going to package the six plays per game if he can produce or take look that's the thing it's not even just him touching the ball that's important it's taking away attention from other playmakers and that's what he did on that split backfield play where he I mean he freed up Dallas Goddard because you had to pay attention to whatever this shiny object was running to the right side that's what Jalen Hurts is he's a shiny object you have to pay attention to him um you know because inevitably what they could end up doing is is doing some trick passes too with him because remember he can throw the ball. Um, he's capable of doing that. And I think that that makes him a kind of scary uh, feature of the offense, especially when, you know, frankly, Greg Ward has not been that great. JJ Arcega Whiteside when targeted has been an absolute disaster. Uh, John Hightower. I forgot he even existed in this game. Um, Deshaun Jackson wasn't targeted for the entire first half, basically. And look, Jalen Rager looked good, but I mean, he's just part of the puzzle at this point. He's not a superstar yet. So you've got to 
really kind of figure this out. But Carson Wentz needs to make better decisions. He needs to get rid of the ball like he did in the first half. I thought the first half he played well-ish. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was fine. I think fine's the right word. But like, I, 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 you know, it's like the second half when the game really matters for him the past two weeks, he's imploded. And he plays this hero ball. He plays this, you know, wild, wild west type game. But I don't know if he's capable of doing that anymore. I don't know if he is the same type of players. You can't take as many chances when you have speedsters because, look, game breaking speed's important. But if they're not getting open, you're you're kind of done. And I think for him, I think it's a mixture between, well, you want to sell the deep, you know, you want to go for the deep passes. You want to take advantage of that speed, but you also don't want to be, you know, handicapped to that of just focusing on the speed. And I think he's just kind of trying to figure out and feel out uh, one, the play calling, but also his protection. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable in this game with Lane Johnson on his right side. That said, it didn't really show in the results. And I think that that's kind of even more, uh, worrisome. I mean, Chris, as a quarterback, how can you feel the pocket and kind of know like you're getting plenty of time? He got plenty of time on that interception to JJ Sigal Whiteside. I still don't understand why he forced it there. I don't. I don't know if it's one of those things. Well, I was look. I look quickly at some of the plays that saying else, and a couple saw when it came to the couple of the other routes, and they were covered too. So it goes back to why is he not stepping up in the pocket? Why is he not taking off with his legs? I saw a little quick lane that was uh, that was available. Now, does he have the same speed that he, that he had when he was a rookie? Probably not, because after you get a couple of hits over time, and after a few years, you slow down a little bit. But I'm sitting here. I'm yeah, you know, you, you know all about that. Oh yeah, the, the, the two screws and the plate in my ankle. Oh, it definitely does. <laughs> it definitely does <laughs> on that one. But oh, he, he starts to. I wonder if he's really like it's a. I think it's looking at it, it's, it may be actually a combination of a couple of things. I wonder if a the, he's not feeling comfortable with the amount the window that these receivers are getting to try to force things, and b to try and he starts like basically get open, and b if he's trying to force things, he keeps looking at the scoreboard and in the back of your mind you keep thinking like, hey, you know what? I got I'm supposed to be this franchise guy. I got the C on my jersey. I'm supposed to be a leader. I'm supposed to will us. I'm supposed to be an elite quarterback. I have to will us back to victory. So he's trying to take these chances. And the problem is these chances are not really hot. If you're going to take a risk, you're going to go ahead. And you have to look at see what you have there. And these chances he's taken are are not smart to begin with. I mean, hell, hell the, fourth, the fourth and two play down in the fourth quarter, he threw the four guys surrounding Goddard. Those aren't the type of risk. You know. If you have somebody one-on-one on the outside, okay, I can see that. But if you have a safety bracketing a, – a, bracketing your tight end with a corner of that, I'm not looking that way. He, he has to go ahead. He has If he's going to take chances, he has to pick them a lot better than what he's doing right now. It, it, it's, it, it's frustrating. He's always been a tight window thrower. He's not a lob guy like Nick Foles is. Uh, and I hate to bring back that comparison, but like you said the they're two different players. Yeah, the, F, the, the other F <laughs> The holy F, I guess you could say. Um, but, you know, as we get into this and, and Thursday, obviously we'll preview the Bengals game. We'll, we'll pick it up from an optimism standpoint. If we possibly can, we'll, we'll, we'll try to, to find the optimism, I guess. But he said something during the postgame press conference that like absolutely drove, it, it, it drove me wild. He said, the sky isn't falling. We aren't panicking. What? 
you're Owen two. You're Owen two. Um, at what point do you then panic when you're Owen three and lose to the Bengals? When you're Owen four and then headed to Pittsburgh? Like what? What are you talking about? There's no problem with panicking. Panicking means ur- you can you have to show a sense of urgency, and I think Eagles fans are very frustrated. Because it does seem a little listless and lackadaisical, the offensive effort over the last two weeks, especially from Wentz. Wentz is kind of just like, go with the motions. Well, guess what, kid? They haven't been 0-2 under Doug Peterson. They just haven't. They haven't been 0-1 under Doug Peterson. So, you know, you can talk about all this magical underdog stuff and them coming back from being down 5-7 and to being 9-7 and and winning the division. Guess what? This is a different roster. They've eroded to the point where 18 players have two or fewer years of experience. You're not leaning on guys like Malcolm Jenkins. You're not leaning on guys like Chris Long. You're not leaning on guys like, you know, Corey Graham and veterans who know what it takes to bounce back. This is a much younger team. And, you know, they named eight captains. I don't know how the eight captains don't look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, we own this one. And then hold their other younger teammates accountable. I mean, I, you know, you've been in locker rooms. How do you how, how do they handle that? What is, what needs to be said here? Well, here's the thing. I, I probably say publicly, everything is no need to panic. And you know what? I I kind of agree. I don't think you have to panic, but you did say the right word. There has to be a sense of urgency. I think there's you could call it splitting hairs, but I think that's about the same thing. I think you have to you can't look ahead and start thinking, oh my goodness, if we don't go ahead, we finish, if we start 0-4 and, and we don't move the ball ahead and, oh man, it's, we can't do it. You have to sit there and you have to just focus on the one thing, which is the Bengals right now. And that's what a lot of coaches tell people right after. They, the coaches are going to say, we have to win. We have to win. Each game is 1-0 and and you have to go ahead and make sure you look at each play. You have to win each play. And as boring and as mundane as that sounds, that's the way you kind of have to approach it, even when it comes up going against the Bengals. Because there have been a number of teams that have came back 0-2 and find a way through. Doug Peterson did it when he was offensive coordinator in 2014 with the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, they didn't make the playoffs, but they wound up being 9-7. So there, there's a lot of things. Oh, Andy Reid. I'm sorry. I remember this back. 2003. The Eagles, I think, beginning 0-3, I think it was. No, definitely was 0-2. Maybe 0-3. They ran up running off 12-4. and This team's not winning 12 games with the schedule they have. But the thing they have to do is you have to go ahead – control they have to play in control they can't play like the season's about to end if they don't win against the Bengals. they have to go ahead and fit one by one look at each look at each play and just play, try to beat them on each play that's the best thing you can do and that's a lot the coaches are going to tell them throughout this week and you'll we'll probably hear it throughout this week as well too for each player we talk to but here's the thing it's okay to to say hey look this is a must win for them you can't go down zero and three I get it. You got to win one by one by one. And that's cool. And that's a cool adage. But like when you have guys like Rodney McLeod saying, you know, they're better than what the record is. No, no, they're not. This looks like a bad team that's going to get worse. I mean, that's just is what it is. I don't know how you could see the last few games and say, wow, I bet they'll pick this one up. You know, like you're not this isn't the 1930s. Well, gee, golly, guys, I think I think they've faced some adversity and they're going to they're going to. Well, gee golly, we're going to get back. You know, I mean, like, it's just not like the thing. This is, look, this is the NFL in 2020. All these, there's so many of these high power teams. And look, the disparaging, like, records of 2 and 0 to 0 2 right now are ridiculous. And look, they haven't even suffered injuries yet. Everybody talks about their underdog mentality and, and, 
how they've been through stuff like this before. They had one guy who was an inactive as an injured player. Cool, they've lost Deshaun Hall and Brandon Brooks. But really, when you look at this, they were almost fully ready to go, and they did not look like a talented team. Uh, Fletcher Cox, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, a lot of these guys who were paid a lot of money did not play well today, and they have not played well in the first two games. So the Eagles have a lot of, you know, they've got a lot of reflecting to do. As Doug Peterson says, look in the mirror. Well, they're going to be staring at a lot of plexiglass over the next couple of days because uh, this is not a good team. They're, I don't know how they finish with the, with the 500 record if they don't beat the Bengals. Um, and really, right now, you could probably win the division at 8-8. Eight and eight. The, the Cowboys won on a miracle. Well, I shouldn't say a miracle. I think the Atlanta Falcons' hands team might be made, might made the biggest – blunder of an onside kick recovery that i've ever seen in my life <laughs> um but chris give me your final thoughts so we can kind of you know refresh and recharge and, and start anew starting monday i think that it's going to be a long night at the NovaCare complex for doug peterson and jim schwartz and dare i say i think it might be time to actually you know blitz something that hasn't been done because it's this this defensive line has to figure it out soon because if not, the, that def- it's a domino effect and that defense is going to get it's going to get hammered. So they they better find find a way to fix the stuff on defense and on offense. They better find a way to for every level, every position group on that offense to find a way to actually have a complete game. And Carson Wentz include Carson Wentz really needs to uh, step up and actually go ahead and you know be that franchise quarterback that the team believes he is. So it is agonizing i'll go back to that one agonizing yeah i mean look i think the bright sides to take out of this is look the linebackers can't cover so you might as well blitz them um (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like like i think that that's maybe the benefit here um but also i think the running game should really be the 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 lifeblood of this offense moving forward i think miles sanders is is an absolute stud out of the backfield look he, he fumbled early but he made up for it i like that doug peterson didn't quit on the run um, and so that's kind of my key moving forward. Establish the run early, work on the run, make Carson Wentz's job a little bit easier, make the offensive line feel a little bit more at home. Um, and look, I still think they beat the Bengals next week, but I'm not as convinced as I would have been maybe 24 hours ago. So with that said, make sure you guys sign up for Eagles Extra. You can get that at nj.com text. Also, you can subscribe to all of our articles on nj.com slash eagles. Um, you know, we're looking forward to getting your text. We're looking forward to seeing you download this podcast wherever podcasts are available. Chris and I have some great content coming for you this week. I'll do my uh, second weekly b- film breakdown, which we're both looking forward to. That'll come out Tuesday morning. And then, obviously, we'll cover the week ahead when where I think this Bengals game is going to be their official last stop before you look at tank tank city uh, on broad street. So thank you guys for joining us for Chris Franklin. I'm Mike K. We'll see you soon. 